0: Bible reading today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, and we'll be starting at verse 1. It's Matthew, chapter 22, starting at verse 1. Jesus spoke to them again in parables. On the, I have to mow the lawn. There's actually, there's a rift uh, in this family. <coughs> It's the same with God's invitation. If God is our king, the one who made us, the one to whom we owe complete allegiance, the one to whom we must give an account, if he is the one who loves us enough to send his son to die for us, then to persistently decline God's invitation is inexcusable. Right, you tell me, what, what good excuse is there? For decline. Thank you, darling. What good excuse is there for declining God's invitation? Just take a moment uh, to consider that. To persistently decline God's invitation, I'm arguing it is inexcusable. And I'm not saying to be unaware. So some people are unaware of the invitation, right? That's different. But to hear the invitation and to hear it again and again, and then and just constantly decline. What excuse is there? that so I keep on uh, I I, I often hear people give excuses like you know I really don't have time for God in my life at the moment you know have you got family or friends who think like that you know maybe down the track and it almost feels like they're saying maybe down the track if God's lucky I'll free up some time uh, to give him but I've I've just got too much on at the moment. You know, I don't really feel a need for God in my life right now. You know, the God who made me, the God who loves me, the God who has invited me to enjoy eternity with Him, but I I just don't feel like I've got time for Him right now. Sure, you know, your field is important. God knows the hard work that farming involves, He's not unrealistic about our busyness and our work. God knows how hard it is to start up and run a business. He knows how hard it is to manage a household. But to refuse him, to persistently ignore him and his invitation, the wedding banquet of his son, right, the event towards which all history is heading, to persistently refuse that is inexcusable. <coughs> Now, not only is God's invitation ignored with feeble excuses, but it is also met with hostility. So, verse 6. So, some say, you know, I've got to go off to my field. You know, I've got to, you know, go off and do some business. But the rest of those invited seized the king's servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. This is breathtaking, isn't it? It goes way beyond just ignoring God this is treachery complete rebellion it is effectively declaring war on God for God to send his servants again and again save the date you know the wedding's coming uh, will you be there and to to not only persistently refuse but to murder the servants Uh, and yet that is what the Jewish leaders had done that was the pattern throughout the Old Testament. And you think about John the Baptist, even you know, year, in, in the last few years as Jesus is speaking. His call was, the kingdom of heaven is near, repent and believe the good news. That's what John called out to all of Israel. He was one of God's servants. This was part of the invitation. Join the celebration, the kingdom. God's king is coming. Will you be part of the celebration? The way you get ready is repent and believe the good news. And yet what they did to John was they falsely arrested him, imprisoned him, beheaded him in a display of utter godless corruption. Uh, And no one was truly held to account, not by human courts. They'll be held to account by God. But no human court stood up. Uh, and said this is just terribly terribly wrong and in a few days time from when Jesus tells this story this is how they will treat Jesus I was trying to think what is what is it like you've got the Pharisees Sadducees teachers of the law the um, Herod's party you've got the Romans this is what this is the closest I could think of you've got Donald Trump, President of the United States, you've got a member of the Russian Mafia, you've got Osama Bin Laden, you've got the head of the United Nations and a, a Greenpeace activist, right? And you go, what have they got in common? But, and so what on earth could unite such a group of disparate people? Well, that is what happens with the execution of Jesus. You get the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were religious, but they totally disagreed with each other. You get Herod's group, who were the godless, corrupt Jews. And then you get the Romans, who were the Gentiles. But they all band together in a conspiracy. Again, they put their differences aside in union for one cause, to plot against Jesus. And what we'll see as you continue reading chapter 22, uh, and we'll see this next week a bit too, they try to outsmart Jesus, so they come up with their tricky arguments uh, to trap him in his words, to dig up some dirt, you know, to create scandal. Apparently our politicians have, th- th- our political parties have little posses of people who do this, you know, where they dig up dirt against people in the other party. Well, that's what they were doing with Jesus. They were trying to unearth some scandal or some reason of accusation, and every time Jesus is just so, uh, so, it's not just clever, so profound, so authoritative in his response that they are sort of, they are put to shame effectively. You know, their, their, their accusations and attempts are just brought to nothing. And so they must resort to underhandedness. So they must resort to a false arrest. Under the cover of darkness, uh, false accusations, a miscarriage of justice. Jesus is mocked and then beaten, spat on and crucified. This is how they treat the bridegroom. So understandably, verse 7, the king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. And at this point, can anyone argue with the king's response? Uh, you know, when you think about that picture, can you, can you argue with the rightness of God's judgment? God's judgment is a terrible thing to consider, but he's absolutely right and just. And it comes out off the back of his immense patience. But people who persistently and defiantly refuse and oppose him and even murder his servants, the God who is slow to anger, is understandably enraged uh, by that sort of behavior. But what, what God does is he does something else. He broadens the invitation. Verse 8. He said to his servants, the wedding banquet's ready. It's a great banquet. But those invited did not deserve to come. Now, why didn't they deserve to come? They didn't deserve to come because of their attitude towards him, because of their rebelliousness, because of their constant refusal. It's not based on whether they're good or bad, but it's based on their attitude towards him and his son. Uh, And so on the basis of this, he says to his servants, verse 9, go to the streets corners invite to the banquet anyone you can find so the servants went out into the streets (coughs) and gathered all the people they could find the bad as well as the good indiscriminate and the wedding hall was filled with guests now imagine you received an invite to the royal wedding how would you how would you feel uh what what response come on tell me how would you feel uh, some elation uh, not Matt but uh, but you would feel surprised wouldn't you Matt because you think man <laughs> I have no idea why they're inviting me I got nothing to do with this thing uh, you know uh, you'd wonder whether they'd made a mistake as they misspelled the name or the address <clears throat> but how much more to receive an invitation from God the king to his son's wedding banquet we don't, des- we don't deserve it why did God think of me? You know, I'm, I'm, we're on the other side of the planet to where Jesus was saying all these things. We have no right to expect an invitation, but it is no mistake. We have each received an invitation from God the Creator to the wedding banquet of His Son that will last into eternity. What will you do with your invitation? I want to say, don't make the same mistake as the Jewish religious leaders uh, who persistently ignored him, refused, and even defied the king. Now, there might be some amongst us who haven't yet taken up that invitation. uh, And I want to say, look at the RSVP, RSVP today. And I want to say, look, don't put this off You know, what what are you going to achieve by putting it off weeks or months? Maybe you need to find out more, you know, and we'd love you to come and do the Simple Christianity course with us and so on. But there is nothing... If you know that this is true, and if you know that this is a good invitation, but you have been just ignoring it or refusing it up to this point, today is the day to take up the invitation. Because Jesus could come again any day, and you don't want to get caught unaware why wouldn't you take up the invitation? So p- come and talk to me. I'd love, I'd love you to talk to me further. If there's anything you feel like it's blocking you taking up this invitation, it'd be good to talk about it because uh, we just want to help you remove any obstacle that might be in your way. For all of us who have received the invitation and accepted it, we are now called to be God's servants. You know how God sends out servants and he says go and stand on the street corners? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's you. You know, cuz that's what he says right at the end of Matthew's gospel, he says, "Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit." So who do we invite? <clears throat> Here we are. We're called to be part of the banquet, but we're also called to promote the banquet, to invite. Who do we invite? anyone and everyone right you don't need to do any um social profiling right you don't need to sort of look at some we're tempted to do this aren't they aren't we so sometimes someone will come up and say oh just such and such would make a great christian you know you know they're they're just such a good you know such a good person you know that that'd be a great asset to us you know or whatever it is and you just go no no that's misunderstands the character of the kingdom right so you go and you stand on the street corner and anyone who passes by say, I'll offer them an invitation. Um, and Because there's a surprising thing, isn't there, that those you expect will receive the invitation with joy were those who refused it. Now the Jewish religious leaders, if anyone was going to accept the invitation, surely it was them. Um, but some of the people who, are, who you least expect to take up the invitation are those who are filled with joy and receive it. And so our responsibility is not to profile people to work out who who we should invite, but it's anyone and everyone. But the story is not over, right? When, verse 11, when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? And the man was speechless. Uh, this guy does not have the proper wedding attire. So verse 13, the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot, throw him outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if, for us Aussies, this sounds pretty harsh, doesn't it? You know, Because we're very you know, laid back in our clothing and attire and all that sort of stuff. Um, he didn't know the dress code, and so he was kicked out. Uh, this reminds me of a, a, really a, a traumatic moment in my childhood, um, where it was my dad's fault, actually. Um, so, dad, <laughs> <coughs> dad was um, a member of the Sydney Cricket Ground, the SCG, you know, and his father before him, and maybe even his father before him. It was one of those things that got handed down, and so regularly, you know, we'd go down to the Sydney, what is it, the New Year's test, the Sydney Cricket Ground. And I remember one time we had traveled six hours from the outback town of Borellum. We'd caught the train into the city, then the bus out to the cricket ground, and we finally get there to the gates of the Sydney Cricket Ground. You know what's gonna happen, don't you? There I am, you know, wearing shorts, and sandals, right? Sandals were the problem, right? You know, I had a polo shirt on, shorts, and sandals. And that was unacceptable attire. And they showed the little code, you can't get in. So we had to go back into town. I had to buy some Dunlop, you know, KT26, and and long socks, right? And I turned up looking even more daggy than before, (laughs) but uh, they let me in. Um, And uh, so, is that what's going on here? You know, like just, uh, you know, just didn't get the dress code. Um, no, there's more going on, right? Um, so I, I just want to dig into the idea of dress code. So if you were invited to a wedding and it said dress semi-formal, what would you wear? right? Have a quick word to the person next to you. Dress semi-formal. That was, uh, you know, what it said. <coughs> Okay, all right, again, some of you are panicking at this point because you don't know. Here here you go, I'm going to give you, this is it. Female dress codes, male dress codes, right? So on the far left is white tie, black tie, creative black tie, black tie optional, semi-formal, there's the one in the middle, festive attire, business formal, business casual, smart casual, and then casual on the far right. So there it is, and the same with the men. So the white tie is like tails, and so on. The black tie is, you know, black suit, black tie, and so on. Um, now, what was I going to say about all this? I, uh, I found an even more helpful explanation of this, and this is, this is it here. Uh, so you've got white tie, black tie, and so on, down to ultra-casual and sloppy. <laughs> um, <coughs> I, f- I found that helpful... Um, Because look at the guy, look at what what he's got written on his shirt. Um, Imagine turning up to the royal wedding dressed sloppy. Or imagine turning up to a court hearing. You know, think about that, you know, and and you're on trial dressed sloppy. You know, what, what would the judge think? The judge would just think, well, you're just not taking this whole... Process seriously. Turning up to the royal wedding dressed like that guy on the right, you just go. He's just. It's it's actually dishonouring the whole event, isn't it? Uh, and this we're not talking about some homeless guy who knew nothing better. This is someone who's just deliberately flaunted, just just deliberately casual, uh, deliberately sloppy uh, in the face of the king. And I think Jesus is tapping into the call for repentance uh, as he talks about appropriate wedding attire. Um, see, when this, when this guy who dresses sloppy is spotted by the king, he's called out and the guy's speechless because he's got no excuse. He knows that this is the royal wedding and he knows that he is utterly ill-dressed. Um, So I think Jesus is reminding us that repentance is the right clothing to wear to the wedding. Now, by repentance, we're not saying you're saved by your good deeds, right? The good and the bad were both invited to the wedding. Remember that. But repentance is about I'm not living my way. I'm not going to live life ignoring the king or despising the king. I'm going to live in a way that honors the king. Uh, So we heard the Bible read um, from Laura, Revelation chapter 19. Uh, And Revelation 19 is this beautiful picture where we're not only invited to the wedding, but we, the church, are the bride of Christ. And God gives us clothes of righteousness to wear. And that's one of the beautiful things of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus, the righteous one, takes our filthy rags And gives us his clothes of righteousness but he also calls on us to embrace that righteousness and that is to to seek to live like him to not live sloppy sin ridden lives anymore but to seek to live in a way that honors him and I think all of that is what Jesus is tapping into so if Jesus was to come today Would you feel ill-dressed for the occasion? Um, And what can you do about that? Well, if you feel you might be ill-dressed, you acknowledge your sin, ask God to cleanse you, which he promises he will do again and again, and ask God to change your heart so that you live for his honour, so that you live out the righteousness that Jesus has won for you. And that ought to be our daily pattern. Acknowledge our sin, ask for cleansing and forgiveness, and ask God to change our hearts. I want to take you to the final words of Jesus as he sums up this parable. He says, For many are invited, but... Now, how would you expect... what? See, I think Jesus' words are very surprising. How would you expect Jesus to summarize this parable? For many are invited, but... Few take up the invitation, yeah. Uh, Many are invited, but few take up the invitation. That would feel quite appropriate, uh, given the parable. Or many are invited, but none deserve it. You know, so that would be a good wrap-up for the parable as well. But look at how Jesus finishes this parable. Many are invited, but few are chosen. I think, where did that come from? Like, that just feels out of the blue, doesn't it? Um, such a surprising way. It feels, so the whole way through the parable, it feels like it's all about our choice. Will I take up the invitation or not? And yet we realize that those who enter are actually all those who are actually chosen by God. And it kind of does your head in. But let me show you a bit of a visual idea. So le- on the left hand side, here it is. invitation. Choose to enter the banquet hall for God's son, right? So that's the invitation. Come and be part of this wedding celebration. And it's an invitation that goes out across the globe. Everyone in this room, everyone on this planet. And we've just got to get that invitation out there. And it's a real choice. We each have a real choice. And yet, you step inside the banquet hall, and there is this sign. Chosen, all who God the King has chosen to be part of his banquet. And you realize that a choice that I thought was mine and mine alone, it's actually, it's actually God has so stirred in my heart that I can't take any credit for my part in the banquet. Uh, it's that God had mercy on me and chose me and drew me to himself. Uh, And so I don't need to second guess, am I one of the chosen? I just need to go, I'm going to take up God's offer. And if I do, I know I am one of the chosen. uh, One of those who has the privilege of being part of the banquet. Now I'm going to sort of wrap things up. uh, And I just want to wrap things up by asking a few questions. So you've been invited to this awesome opportunity. How will you respond And that's a question each one of us needs to reflect. Um, If you've responded by saying, yes, I'm going to be part of the banquet, then you've been called to invite others. So will you get on with it? Will you actually be one of the servants who goes out onto the street corners and invites? Uh, And the other thing is, are you dressed for the occasion? So there's a... There ought to be a readiness about our lives where we're waiting, longing, eager for this day. Is that the character of our lives now? Why don't you spend a few moments in quiet reflection and prayer and then I'll lead us in prayer together. God, our Father, we want to thank you that you are just the the sovereign king, the ruler of our world, that you made us, that you rule us, that one day we will give an account to you. And yet you are not harsh, you are not quick to judge, but that you're a God of love, that you want us to share in your joy, You want us to be part of this celebration at the end of time uh, with your son uh, united to his bride, the church. Father, we want to be part of that. We're so sorry that we just get stuck and fixated on worldly stuff where we lose focus on eternal things. Uh, We're so sorry where your invitation just fades in importance in our lives. Father, we pray for each one of us that we will take up this invitation, that we will eagerly want to participate in your kingdom and all its blessings. Uh, Father, we pray that you'll ready us for that day, that you'll cleanse us, that you'll forgive us of our sins, that you'll clothe us with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus and that you'll so transform us now that we will embrace that righteousness in the way we live our lives. Uh, And Father, we pray that we will be living, waiting, ready and we pray that we will be your servants, that we will take this great, generous invitation to our region. Uh, We pray for our ministry center that it might be a hub For this invitation to go out, we pray for your mercy on our region and on our world. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.